Let's all turn to Romans, the first chapter, and uh, Luke, the fourth chapter. Romans 1 and Luke 4. Now, in Romans, the first chapter, and the 15th verse, Paul said, by the Spirit, I, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Why don't you say that out loud? I am ready ready to to preach the gospel. Gospel means the good message, good tidings, good news, we say sometimes, the good message. I'm ready to preach the good message to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the good message, the gospel of Christ. For it is, the gospel is, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God. Under salvation. Look in 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. He says if our gospel be hid. If the gospel is hid. It's hid to them that are lost. It's hid from them. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world. That's talking about the devil has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Because what if they did believe? The gospel's the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. But the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious good news of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto them. Now Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this good message. Why would he say I'm not ashamed if there had never been any pressure on him to be ashamed? The very existence of the phrase shows he had had to resist something. Something that would try to pressure him, try to shame him. And why is that going on? Well, the devil is powerless before the gospel. He cannot uh, prevent the gospel from producing faith. He can't prevent the power of the gospel to save, to heal, to deliver, to bless. So what he can do is try to blind people and keep them from ever seeing it. And what he can do is try to shame the messengers into backing off of it and not proclaiming it boldly or not proclaiming all of it or not proclaiming it at all. And it's sad that there are churches, not just two or three, there are churches in this country that haven't preached Jesus for decades, much less the blood of the Lamb. Did you hear me? They're ashamed of the gospel. They preach social reform. They preach being good and doing good, helping people. But they're ashamed of the gospel. And then some that are not ashamed to preach that you can be born again, and yet they're ashamed to preach that the gospel includes healing. 
They're ashamed of that. And they have backed off of it and, and would not dare to, to say that. And I've had people write us ugly letters and say, you know, we don't preach all that healing stuff. and We don't preach all that prosperity stuff. We just preach the gospel. <laughs> well, as we saw last week in Acts 14, if you preach the same gospel Paul preached, people will get faith to be healed. Not just born again, but faith to be healed from hearing it. Now, what some people call the gospel, people would never get faith to be healed from hearing it. They might get faith to be born again and thank God for that, but they'd never get faith to be healed. No, the good news includes good news for the whole man. Jesus went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body. He redeemed us, spirit, soul, and body. You know, if he's just redeeming us spiritually, he wouldn't have had to go to the whipping post, would he? He could have skipped that and all the physical pain. I mean, if he hadn't redeemed us uh, in the chastisement of our peace upon him, he could have foregone that crown of thorns stuff and all that abuse and all that. He could have just done it in spirit. But he didn't. How many believe the master has wrought for us a complete redemption? Are you redeemed spiritually? Are you redeemed mentally? Are you redeemed solically? Are you redeemed physically? Are you redeemed financially? Are you redeemed completely? The scripture says you are complete in him. He's done everything for us. But there is pressure uh, brought on those that would proclaim the good news in every area. The world, and, and sadly a lot of people in church, try to shame others into being quiet about saying, God's good, he'll heal you. God's good, he'll prosper you. He'll help you pay your bills and get out of debt. He'll put you in a new house. Oh, people scoff and they go, oh, that's error. Is it now? Is it? Or are they just ashamed of the gospel? Aren't you, don't you like Paul's response? Obviously something had tried to silence him, had tried to shame him into silence and back him off. But he comes up from the inside and says, I am not ashamed. I'm going to preach this. And he did. I mean, uh, murderous mobs couldn't silence him. Stonings couldn't shut him up. Shipwreck couldn't shut him up. Snakebite couldn't shut him up. He preached the gospel through the known world. And he preached that Jesus saves. He preached that Jesus heals. He preached that Jesus delivers. He preached the Lord will fill you with the Holy Spirit. He preached all the good news. And people got faith in all these areas from hearing what he preached. How many think we ought to preach the same gospel that he preached? There is no other gospel. And do you think if you preach the same gospel, you'll get the same results? You will. It'll be obvious. Now in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke chapter four and verse 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me 
to preach the good news to who? To the poor. Good news to the poor. Now some have assumed and and read this through tradition-tinted glasses that that meant that Jesus preached to the poor that they could be saved. But that's not good news to the poor. That's good news to the lost. Now keep reading. The whole passage has to has to agree and flow together. What's good news to the brokenhearted? That you can be born again? No. That you can be healed. What's good news to the captives? Not being born again, but that you can be delivered. What's good news to the blind? Not being born again, recovering of sight. What's good news to those that are bruised with shackles and chains? You can be liberated. Well, what's good news to the poor? You can have your needs met. You can come up from there. You can, you can come into a different place. You can be enriched. You can be blessed. That's good news to the poor. Are you ashamed of that part of the good news? I'm not either. As you can tell. But I intend to become bolder yet. How about you? Bolder yet. Uh, what is good news to the poor? Let me just remind you of a few things that we've already covered. And, and again, get to previous messages and, and listen to them. Catch up with us if you, if you didn't hear them. The scripture says um, in Deuteronomy 8, 18. Don't turn to these. Let me just read them to you quickly. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. Is that good news to the poor? If you're broke and somebody came and told you, God will give you power to get wealth. Would that be good news to you? John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Would that be good news to you if you're in lack? The Amplified says it like this, that you uh, might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Is that good news to a broke man or woman? Yes, it is. Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Psalm 113, this is just a few. Is there any good news to the poor man, to the poor woman? Psalm 113.7 says, He uh, raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. What's good news to a man or woman sitting in a garbage pile, going through trash, trying to find something to eat? The good news is God will lift you up out of there. He will raise you up out of the dust and get you out of there and set you down with princes. That's good news. Somebody say, good news. Good news, good news. Didn't Philippians 4.19 say, but my God shall supply all your needs. If you're needing and lacking everything, wouldn't that be good news to hear? That God will supply all your needs. 1 Timothy 5 talks about God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Is he really a good God? Is his will abundance? Not lack, not poverty, but abundance for everybody. Is that part of the gospel? The good news, it is. Many deny it. Many try to shame us about it. But we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed for believing it. 
And we're not ashamed of practicing it. How many think you ought to practice what you preach? Well, if you preach prosperity, you ought to practice some. I said, how many think you ought to practice what you preach? Of course, if you say you believe in poverty, well, don't be a hypocrite. Practice it. I'm glad I don't believe that. I'm sure glad I don't believe in being sick. And I don't believe in being broke. And I intend to practice what I believe. What I preach. I was, uh, I have a thing on, uh, on my computer that notifies me of aviation news. Because I like airplanes and like to keep up with what's going on. And there was a notification that, that uh, led you to a thing about uh, Mr. Donald Trump got a new airplane. I thought, well, that's great. Let's see about Mr. Trump's new airplane. And uh, they, they had a video and everything of it and said uh, he got a Boeing 757. <laughs> Whoo, this is a big boy. This is, this is, you know, this is an airliner. Hundreds of people ride on these things. And he fitted it out for himself and 30 some of his close friends. Oh, man, this thing is decked out. He, uh, I think he, uh, he well, there was uh, rumored that it was cost about $100 million and then uh, several million after that to put the new interior and paint and all that in it. So quite expensive. And, oh, man, it had uh, uh, some of the finest leather seats and, and gold-plated uh, hardware and seat belts and great big, I think it was like a 50-inch TV and, and home theater and, and galley and, and a full stand-up shower and a, a bigger than a double bed, basically a, a bedroom in there. And uh, I thought, boy, that is not, look at that. And, and then, you know, it had all these comments that viewers had made about it. And normally it's not a good thing to look at those comments because there's no telling what you're liable to see. But uh, I just thought, well, you know, wonder what percentage of the people that commented were happy about Mr. Trump getting his new airplane. (laughs) Let me read you a few of them. (laughs) One lady said, such a vulgar display of opulence. (laughs) another one said think of all the good he could have done with that money and another one said when I see this and then I see all the starving children in Somalia it makes me sick you hear how quiet it's got (laughs) that proves I need to be preaching on this another one said If I had that airplane, I would sell it. And I would take that hundred million and I would buy a ten million dollar plane and give the remaining ninety million to UNICEF or some charity, some organization. Isn't that noble? You believe they would? No. Me neither. Another one said, why didn't Trump give that money to homeless shelters 
or to other organizations and to help the jobless, homeless people. A hundred million dollars would go a long way toward helping those who are less fortunate. Why didn't he do it? (laughs) Another one said, I've worked all my life and I'm guessing that one of those seat belts costs more than I make in a year. (laughs) It's not fair. Are they attempting to shame Mr. Trump? And it was way over half of that. I figure probably two-thirds, three-fourths of the remarks were negative. Negative, negative, negative. Why wouldn't the response be, isn't that great? Look at there. Mr. Trump's got a new airplane. He can take all his friends and stuff and fly over the world. Isn't that neat? That's not the usual response. People are disgusted. Makes them sick. I'm quoting. What's disgusting? Airplanes disgust you? Just big airplanes make you sick. Leather seats make you sick? Hmm? What makes you sick? Gold plating makes you sick. (laughs) What's the problem? Why the uproar? Why are people in Somalia entitled to Mr. Trump's airplane money? If he wants to give some money, great. But why does he owe that to them? Because that's the way they're talking. And there is this mentality that if you have more than somebody else, you owe them. And a whole lot of people who don't have much have that mentality. That anybody that has more than them, owe them. Why? Why would you? And if you do owe them, and you, you got it to them... You didn't give them anything because you owed it to them. You're just paying what you owed. There is some twisted stuff. And it's pervasive. It's not just in a few places here and there. And don't think that you're totally immune from all of it. I'm telling you, we've had generations of this crammed down our throat. It's been preached over the pulpits. And the Lord has been dealing with me. You know, we've touched on these things, but there's, uh, we are at a juncture. And I believe the Lord is preparing us to take us up to another place. Amen. 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 Uh, the best shape of our lives. Amen. Better than we've ever been in a whole new level of ability to do things for the gospel, for the poor, for other folks. And to get there... We have to identify this ugly junk. And we got to get it out of us and off of us. And it's no coincidence that simultaneously we're looking and learning how to harvest. Can you see these two things are flowing together? I didn't see it when I started it, but I'm seeing it the further we go. I I do it by faith, just like you listen by faith. I preach by faith. But... uh, 
What's the problem? Why the irritation? You know, people just against airplanes. They're just against money. They're just against expensive stuff. You know, something I think sometimes folks don't think about is that when you see something like that, you see an expensive airplane, you see an expensive car, expensive house, expensive clothes, jewelry. You're not just seeing somebody enjoying something or using something. Somebody made that. Somebody services that. Somebody takes care of that. There's a lot of people involved. Now since particularly about 2008, private aviation in particular has been banded as the poster child for everything bad. And uh, our leadership and all other kind of people have just lambasted anybody that flew around in a private plane. And as a result, the industry has suffered terribly. Just in uh, Wichita, Kansas, which is a center, you know, for aviation, there's been 13,000 jobs lost in this area. Now, Boeing has a place there. It's not their main place, but also three of the other uh, main manufacturers. What do you think Boeing thinks about uh, Mr. Trump getting a 757? Huh? What about all the thousands of people that work at Boeing and all the thousands of people that make parts and the people that service? See, people are looking at that and they're thinking, oh, that's just, that's just terrible. That's just terrible. Boeing wants half people in the country to get one. Right? What about the people that make new cars? They do not want you driving your other car. They want you to buy new and buy now. Huh? What about the people that are uh, making expensive clothes and making jewelry? They don't want you to buy the cheap stuff that they make $1.50 on. They want you to buy the top-notch stuff that they can make a good profit on. And what's wrong with that? Oh, millions don't think so. Millions judge it, criticize it, lambast it, it disgusts them. It makes them sick. When you're looking at a, a great big fine house, you know, you're looking at the uh, place we're building out in Sarasota. Dave's telling about the rough end. It's a fair sized place. Things are going on. But we got electricians working, we got plumbers working, we got anybody want to talk? Irrigation people work. These are jobs. These are people getting paid, people taking checks on. If somebody, you know, builders, do they want you to live in a little uh, shack that, no, they want you to build a new house. And do they want you to build a little bitty cramped one, tight one? No, they want, go, they want you to build a big one. Go, they build a big house that'll keep us working for three years. I mean, do it. They're like, yeah, yeah. He would say, that makes me sick. 20,000 square feet. That's disgusting. Not if you're getting paid to build it. 
But see, how can you believe both? How can you be disgusted by it and yet want people to have work and get paid? This is deception. This is confusion. Now, what you see all across life is people are either trying to pull you down with them or they're believing we can be lifted up. Instead of trying to get him to get rid of his plane, why can't more people have one like it? Instead of being disgusted by their house or their car or this, why not just go ahead and get one yourself? <laughs> oh, don't have everybody with me. What if half the people that were flying little planes decide they're going to get a big one like his? Well, man, Boeing would be hiring people right and left, right? They'd have to, uh, right business. What if half the folks that had a middle-sized house decide, I'm going to build me a big one? Work. Materials. Right? What's the problem? And yet people go, it makes me sick. People getting jobs makes you sick. What makes you sick? Everybody that gets to work and service this stuff and keep it up (laughs) makes you sick. Acts 13, would you turn over there, please? Do you want to pull everybody down to a low level? Or do you believe God could lift more people up to a higher level? You a upper or a downer? (laughs) Some folks are downers, aren't they? They just, you know, oh, that's what I've got is just good enough for anybody. So you're the standard. (laughs) Your life is the standard. Nobody should aspire for anything above you. Wow. That's pride, isn't it? And ignorance. Look in Acts, the 13th chapter. Acts chapter 13, Paul and his company came and preached the gospel, the good news, to these folk in the synagogue. And uh, the leaders were interested, and, and from all accounts, they had a good, good service and a good day. But just a week later, word got out about the service they had. And verse 44, the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. I'm going to believe that could happen again. Almost the whole city came to church. Glory. Somebody say, so be it. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And uh, verse 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Now, now look at this. They're contradicting them. They're blaspheming against what they had preached. Are they trying to shame them to silence? They're trying to shut them up. You know why almost the whole city came to hear the word of God? Because everybody likes good news. <laughs> and they've been hearing some junk. 
But they heard that God is a good God and he will save you and heal you and help you pay your bills and heal your babies and get you delivered and and get you free in your mind and your soul. And man, everybody likes that. Everybody thinks, man, sign me up for that. But when the leaders saw the crowds, it was too much for them. How much? Is enough. And how much. Is too much. And who's the authority. To tell us so. What do you mean. Well. Let's say. I don't know anything about Mr. Trump. But let's say. He said okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my airplane. I'm going to sell my properties, I'm going to liquidate my investments, I'm going to give it all to the poor. And he impoverished himself and became homeless and gave every penny of it to the poor. Would it solve the poverty problem in the world or in the country or in New York? No, it wouldn't. There'd now be another homeless person Mr. Trump. Well, I don't think any reasonable person would demand that he become homeless helping the poor. So how much is enough? How much is enough? Do you remember that uh, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what can I do to obtain eternal life? And, And the Lord told him, he said, you lack one thing. You need to sell what you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. So he told him to sell off. But Zacchaeus. You remember him? Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree. and Jesus said you come down. I gotta, I'm going to go eat with you today. And, and he came. And Zacchaeus was so moved. And he stood up during the meal. And he said. Uh, Lord uh, if I've beat anybody out of anything. I'm going I'm to restore it several fold. And I'm going to give half of what I got to the poor. And Jesus said, oh no, oh no, not half, 100%. No, he did not. He said, salvation has come to this house today. So he's not requiring him to give 100%. And when uh, uh, Matthew, the tax collector, and Peter, and, and James, and John, and these guys, when he called them, uh, nothing is said about him requiring them to give everything to the poor or, or half to the poor. So he told different people different things about giving to the poor. But is there a point where you've done enough for you? Are you the source? No. Now let me say it like this. Is this message... Mr. Trump is going to sell his plane. Is that the good news to the poor? No. No. Because he can never be everybody's source. And I can never be. And you can never be. And we're not supposed to be. And if anybody thinks you owe them something because you have more than they They are wrong, wrong, wrong because they got exactly the same source you do. The Almighty. 
And anything he's done for you, he'll do for them. But the problem is, a lot of folks want the benefits of having faith and being obedient without having faith and being obedient. They want the blessings people have, but are unwilling to do what they did. And so, they'd rather just be bitter and judge others and criticize others and act like you owe me. Friend, there is no justification for you or anybody else feeling like any other person owes them something. Never is it okay. Never. We've all got the same source. You believe in God? Then we all got the same source. He's our source. Not the government. Not mom and daddy. Not your employer. Not the company. Not somebody that's got more than you do. How many think you ought not get your eyes on anybody? Lift up your eyes off of people. Right? And get your eyes on him with whom nothing is impossible. What's the good news to the poor? You can have it too. Talking about the blessings. Talking about the increase. Good news to the poor. I, regardless of exactly the words that it comes in, I can remember when Phyllis and I heard the good news to the poor. We grew up, you know, poor. Not as poor as some. More poor than a whole lot. I mean, we didn't have uh, uh, indoor plumbing until I was in uh, high school. Didn't have a telephone. Of course, you know, everybody else around you was the same way, so it's like it's just normal, you know. And then you get out and see what some other folks have, you realize, hmm, I must have been poor. <laughs> but there's a lot more to being poor than just, you know, not having stuff. You know, we had a mom and dad that loved each other and stayed together. And and we always had something to eat. We always had something to wear. Uh, there's a lot more to being rich than just having some money. But uh, when Phyllis and I heard, you know, you're conditioned sometimes by generations of poverty thinking and poverty mentality to accept your lot in life. And just kind of look on enviously to other people that have all these amazing things and think, well, you know, that don't seem fair. But when we heard the message that Christ had redeemed us from the curse, which included the curse of poverty, and we heard people talking about believing for things that weren't just essential, not just uh, food to eat and, and staying alive, but some nice stuff, and, and we thought God would really do that for you. It dawned on us, we can have something too. That's good news. I said, that's good news. If you've been put down, you're all you're growing up told you can't have this because of where you come from or who you are or what gender or color or whatever. You can't, you can't, you can't, you'll never have, you'll never be. What's the good news? Come on, tell me what the good news is. You can. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. You can have it. You can do it. You can have something nice. You can give on a level that other people give. You can make an impact. 
instead of the being the person with the hand out, you can be the person sowing the big seed. Instead of the being the person in need, you can be the person more blessed, the one giving. Somebody say, I can. I can have it. I can do it. All things are possible with God and to him that believes. Is that scripture? Is that good news? Let's answer the question now. How much is enough? And how much is too much? How much is enough given to the poor? Given to the poor, given to people, helping people in need is a wonderful thing. It's outstanding, excellent thing. But uh, never let somebody make you their source. Never let somebody look at you and act like you owe them something. That's acting like there's no God. No. I'm believing for us just what the Lord told us. This church, these churches, this ministry, to get in the best shape we've ever been in, to have some happening churches and everything paid off. Well, what are we going to do with ourselves? We're going to do things for people in need. We're going to do things for the gospel and advancing the kingdom. But that is not the an obligation and that is not the main uh, thing a Christian is supposed to exist for. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord's upon me not because he sent me to support the poor. He's anointed me to what? Preach. The good news to the poor. Now he did things for the poor, but that wasn't the main thing he did. It's not referred to very much. Most of what's referred to is him teaching and preaching and healing. That's the main things that are referred to in what he did. Now look at this again, Acts 13. Are y'all still with me? Are you? Acts 13, 46. Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and they said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. He said, you have judged yourselves unworthy of this. And it's passing you by and going to other people. Listen to the God's word translation. Verse 44 On the next day of worship, almost the whole city gathered to hear the Lord's word. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they became very jealous. They used insulting language to contradict whatever Paul said. Now I want you to notice something. He spoke there in this same place with these same leaders a week ago. And they didn't say any of this stuff. Why? Because it wasn't a problem to them. They were just as hungry and interested as the rest of the folks. So what has changed? The big crowd is what changed. And instead of them talking about the big crowd, which would give away their envy and jealousy, they are pretending to care about the doctrine and fight Paul's teaching. Somebody say hypocrite. Say it again, hypocrite. Now this is what's so annoying and irritating. 
about these things. And it is such deception and such hypocrisy. When people are saying, that could have been given to the poor. Uh, that, that this, or, or I don't agree with that teaching or doctrine. And the truth is, they're bothered because somebody's got more than they've got. And they're not really uh, against having it. They're just, uh, they're not against them having it. (laughs) They're just against anybody else having more. And they're not just against the stuff. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Judging, criticizing, and hypocrisy. Bad, bad stuff. And the problem with it is when you do that kind of thing, Let me read the rest of it. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas told them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first, but since you reject the word of God and consider yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we're now going to turn to people of other nations. Somebody else will get it. You won't get it. Somebody else will get it. Why? In yielding to their hypocrisy and their envy and their jealousy, they judged themselves unworthy of it. If you judge, what will happen? You will be judged. Go with me to James, fourth chapter. Have you got a little time? This is important. And I'm telling you, the Lord is working some things in us to bring us to the next level. You believe it? This stuff has to be broken out of us. We need to get free from every, every vestige of this, every bit of this. Do you want to be? Yes. You want to be free from judging? Yes. Free from hypocrisy? Yes. Free from that which would limit God, limit you, limit the cap on your life? I, I just, I know it when I pray about this and, and when I study and when I endeavor to give it out, I can sense it in my spirit. And, and like we said, there's no... Uh, coincidence that this is the, uh, happening the same time as the Lord's teaching us how to harvest. These things are necessary for us to get to the next place. we got to get this out of us. And the way you can tell uh, that it's out of you is when you see or hear somebody that's got something beyond you, you rejoice. You don't judge, you don't criticize, you rejoice. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love envies not. Love doesn't envy. Why? If you care about the people more than you do the stuff, then you're glad they've got it. But if you care more about the stuff than you do them, you're going to talk about the stuff. When almost the whole city came to hear the word of God, if these people had cared about the people of the city, they would have been shouting, wouldn't they? They'd have been praising God. They'd have been saying, oh, glory to God. We never had a crowd like this. Isn't this wonderful? All these people hearing the word of God. If you cared about other people and you heard they had this nice thing or that, then you'd say, well, isn't that great? Look. Mr. Trump's enjoying his gold-plated seatbelts. That's nice. He's styling, man. Enjoy. Why? Because it's not taking anything away from me. And you either. 
People try to fabricate that it is. It's not. We've already talked about if a bunch of other people got some, it'd put people to work. (laughs) I'm laughing because some people are choking on this. They're going, (laughs) because of decades and decades of unscriptural tradition that choke out the word of God. Now, if you want to stay where you are and stay stuck, then ignore what we're talking about today. But if you want to throw off the caps and break the limitations and let God bring you into a place that you've not been before, financially and materially and other ways, then take heed to this. Take very serious heed to it. James 4, are you there? James 4, 11. It says, Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. If you're a judge, you're not a doer. This is a great truth. Let this be imprinted in your spirit. Say it out loud. If you're a judge, you're you're not a doer. Listen to the Amplified. My brethren, do not speak evil about or accuse one another. He that maligns a brother or judges his brother is maligning and criticizing the law and judging the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a practicer of the law, but a censor and a judge. Good news translation. Good news translation. Do not criticize one another, my friends. If you criticize or judge another Christian, you criticize and judge the law. And if you judge the law, you're no longer one who obeys the law, but one who judges it. God is the only lawgiver and judge. He alone can save and destroy. Who do you think you are to judge someone else? Criticizing is judging. Most every Christian knows you're not supposed to judge. And yet people are doing it right and left. Every one of these comments that I read. He could have sold that and done this. He could have done that. He should have done that. Why to do that? They're judging him. Oh, Oh yeah, yeah. Don't kid yourself. You're judging them. Anytime you say they shouldn't have done that. They should have done that. Oh, I'd never. I wouldn't. That's judging. That's what it is. You're judging. And this is a fact. If you are judging them, you're a hypocrite. You're not a doer. Look in Romans, the second chapter. Aren't we having fun now? Romans 2, verse 1. Romans 2, 1 says, Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are that judges. For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. Said out loud, when you judge somebody else, you just condemned yourself. Said again, when you judge somebody else, you just condemned yourself. Is this true or not? Jesus warned in Matthew 7 don't judge, or you'll be judged. Because you'll be judged with the same measure you judged. That's what you'll be judged by. Let's go over this carefully now. When you see this, and you really see it, it'll change you. It will help you to shut your mouth. You really realize the truth. 
These people who are saying, he shouldn't have bought that. He should have spent that on the poor. I don't know anything about Mr. Trump, but I know this. He will never be judged by what they said he should do. But they will be. They will be judged themselves by what they said he should do. That's what the scripture teaches. If you say they ought to get rid of that and give that to the gospel or give that to the poor. The Lord says, okay, you say that's what a person should do. And so that's the light you say you have. I'm going to judge you by what came out of your mouth. Whether you yourself did what you say they should have done. If you're a judge, you're not a doer. If you're a judge, you're a hypocrite. If you really care about the poor, you won't be talking about what somebody else hasn't done for the poor. You'll be doing something for the poor. Right? And you hear somebody harping on what somebody could do, should have done, didn't do, mark it down. They are a lying hypocrite. Because they are not remotely doing what they are saying somebody else ought to be doing. And people go, well, I, I don't have that kind of money. It's not, you're not judged according to what you don't have. It's according to what you do have. Well, he, he's got a hundred million. Well, if you expect him to give half of it or tenth, you could give half or a tenth of your hundred dollars. Couldn't you? Well, man, they got all those, uh, uh, that stuff, you know, they, they could do this or that. Well, I, I'm not a preacher. Being a preacher's got nothing to do with you being honest or not. Just practicing what you say you believe. Oh, friends, are you with me on this? Is this significant? Is it important? It is so important. that Without going into all of it, the scripture says, don't judge or you'll be judged. Uh, John 7, 24 says, don't judge according to appearances. And 1 Corinthians, I believe, what is it, 4, 5 or so? It says, don't judge anything before the time. Just think about those, those two last things. Don't judge according to appearances. These people have no clue what Mr. Trump has done or hasn't done for any charity or any poor. For all they know, he has already blown them out of the water compared to anything. Right? So what business would it be if there's how much is enough and then how much is too much to keep? If you have done a lot for the poor, and you got something nice? Is that evil? And if the Lord blessed you with it? I got some nice stuff myself. Some of it's very expensive. But a lot of it, I didn't pay a dime for it. So is it evil for me to have it? I got some dress shoes that are very expensive. And yet they cost me less. Then the cheapest thing you could get at a department store, no charge. So a matter of people look and say, oh, isn't that, isn't that awful? That makes me sick. Nice shoes make you sick. No, it's not just the, well, what makes you sick? I tell you what makes you sick, your hypocrisy. Your own hypocrisy is making you gag. 
And it's making us gag too. So quit. <laughs> quit being such a liar. <laughs> Go to uh, Mark, the 14th chapter. Don't judge according to appearances. You don't know what people have done or haven't done. Right? You don't know. Besides that, you're not the judge. It's real freedom when you realize. Well, look at what they're doing and what they're not doing. Hey, nothing to me. I don't have to have an opinion. I'm not the judge. If they are poor stewards of their resources, that'll be between them and the Lord. I got a full-time job taking care of me. So do you too, if you know it. Love is not going to jump to believe the worst. If I see somebody, you know, that's got something extravagant or nice, I'm not going to immediately assume they're just covetous and idolatrous and have never done anything for anybody. They're just lousy, selfish, low lives. Why would I assume that? I don't know them. I don't know what they've done, where they've come from, how they got what they got, and how much is enough? And how much is too much? And who's the authority to say so? Mark 14, you see this also in Matthew, you see it in John. The account of the extraordinary gift of the alabaster box of ointment. Mark 14 and 3 Says, being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, Jesus sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Other writers say, very costly, very expensive. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Now, uh, we know from further scripture that this must have been worth about $30,000. Now, you know, it ain't bad to have a box sitting on your dresser that's worth 30 grand. And it's the kind of thing that a little dab would do you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just touch your finger, put it behind your ear, maybe you're good to go for the rest of the day. She breaks it, dumps it, the house is filled with the fragrance, and oh man, people got mad. People close to Jesus on his own staff got mad. Why? What are they against? They're against perfume? <laughs> They're against expensive perfume? They're against the woman? They're against Jesus? What are they against? There, verse 4, there were some that had indignation within themselves. That word means to be much displeased and to be much grieved. It grieved them when they saw this lavish gift poured out on the master. And they said, why was this waste of the ointment made? This is such a waste See, these comments about that disgust me, it makes me mad, makes me sick, is nothing new. It's been around thousands of years. This is such a waste. Now, what does waste mean? Waste mean means it accomplished nothing. 
It produced nothing. Is that true? It didn't mean anything to the woman that gave the gift. It was in vain and a waste. It didn't mean anything to Jesus. If you look at John's account, it mentions it calls Mary's name in giving the ointment. And this is right after chapter 11 where her brother has been raised from the dead. And he's sitting at the table there with them. He was dead and stinking in the tomb just, you know, days before. Now he's sitting here eating a biscuit with them. And she went and got the most expensive, valuable thing she had. And she just dumped it on the master. And they said, what a waste. What a waste. Now, this tells you volumes. When people say, what a waste. They just told you without meaning to. They just told you, I love money. I love money more than I love people. They didn't mean to tell you that, but they did. If you uh, read John's account, John 12 and uh, 4, it says, Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, which should betray him. So what's already on his mind, in his mind? Betrayal. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? That's, that's a year's wage. That's why I said, you know, $30,000. That was a, a day laborer. The figure varies. Why wasn't it sold for $30,000 and given to the poor? You know, preachers and churches quote this like Jesus said it. Oh, that could have been sold, given to. Jesus did not say this. Jesus rebuked the man who did say it. That's how messed up religious tradition is. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Verse 6. He said this not because he cared for the poor. He's a hypocrite. But because he was a thief. And he had the bag and bore what was put. What is chafing him so bad? He had been eyeing that box. He was hoping she would donate that to the ministry. And of course he would take care of it for him. And handle all the proceeds and everything that needed to be taken care of. And some of it would slip in his pocket. You watch these people that talk about, oh, that, that should have been sold and that should have been done. They are the same mentality. They're cut from the same cloth. I know it's harsh, but it's true. And we're not talking about judging anybody else. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me getting this out of us. I mean every bit of it out of us. Do you want this ugly junk out of you? It caps you. It limits you. It stifles you. Now I want you to analyze what Judas is doing. If you read in Matthew's account, Mark's account, the, the very next verses after, not, not even any verses in between, the very next verses says, he went out to the elders of the Jews and said, how much will you give me? 
and I'll, I'll give him up to you. Judas is trying to shame Mary. Wow. Why did you waste all this money for? He's also trying to shame Jesus. He's trying to shame Jesus for receiving it. For letting her do it. Letting her give it to him. He's accusing Mary of not caring enough for the poor. You know who else he's accusing of not caring enough for the poor? Jesus. He's accusing Jesus of not caring enough for the poor. Why? If he had cared about Mary, if he'd had any love for her, he would have been rejoicing. He'd have been going, glory to God. Mary, we've been confessing it for months. She has sowed her whopper chunk seed today. (laughs) Woo, go Mary, go Mary. Look at you. If he had cared about Jesus, he would have been rejoicing because Jesus said, this is wonderful. She has done a good thing here. She's honored me and she's prepared me for what's coming up next. He would have been happy. He'd have had tears of joy coming down his cheek, wouldn't he? If, he? if he'd have loved either one of them. But he loved money. That's why he could not be happy with somebody giving a large gift or somebody receiving a large thing. It was too much. Too much for who? It wasn't too much for Mary. It wasn't too much for Jesus. It was just too much for Judas. I'm not a Judas. How about you? I'm not a Judas. I'm not going to talk like this. I'm not going to act like this. I'm not going to be like this. You too? Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Somebody say, thank you, Master. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I don't love money. I love people. Amen. Amen. And if somebody's got something nice, I'm glad to see it. Aren't you? If they got something better than me, great. Why would I be upset about it? If I care about them, I'm going to be happy about it. Stand up to your feet, everybody. I can talk to you standing up, too. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just praise him for just a moment. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you for your light. Thank you for your truth that makes us free. Thank you for grace and goodness. Thank you for helping us to break out of the limitations that have held us back and held us down from the ugliness that is judging and criticizing and hypocrisy. Thank you for delivering us and helping us. Everybody pray it out loud and say, Father God, I don't want to be like Judas. I don't want to criticize. I don't want to judge. I don't want to love money more than people. I reject it. I refuse it. Open my eyes. Help me to see everything that needs to change in me. By your grace, I'll receive it. By your grace, 
I can change. By your truth. I can be free. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Love never envies. And love rejoices with those that rejoice. And this is not, I know we spent some time and covered a number of areas, but this is not complicated. When you hear about somebody's $150,000 car, you don't turn and look at yours and go, well, that ain't fair. If you do, you just judged yourself unworthy of ever having anything like that. You will never come close to it. What do you care? Except to be glad. Did you hear about so and so? They're building a 30,000 square foot house over there. If you're not that concerned about the people, be glad for the carpenters and the plumbers and the electricians and, huh? Glory to God. That'd keep folk busy for a while. Let's wake up. Let's have some sense. And let's be, we're faith people. Remember, you see that big faith word up on the front of the church there? It's not just there for looks. We, we really believe in this. Huh? And faith people are positive. They are uppers, not downers. They're not trying to pull everybody down to a low level. They're believing everybody can come up. They're like, yeah, let's all go up to there. Just rejoice and give thanks and give glory to God. And maybe you see somebody that's way out beyond you. And just remind yourself, you know, they didn't start there. People say, well, I've been confessing my houses and lands for two years. (laughs) So? Two years? There's people nickel and dime and take 30 years to pay off a house. If you made confessions for 18 and got a house and got it paid for, man, you're moving. You're cruising, brother. Right? Oh, but if you get bitter, well, I've been, I've been serving the Lord twice as long as they have. How'd they get a new car like that? Well, you don't know. You don't know whether they sowed and stood and believed and God moved supernaturally or whether they lied and stole. You don't know how they got it. So don't judge according to appearances because you really don't know and you're not to judge. What did James say? Who do you think you are to judge? You're, and judge nothing before the time because there's a time coming when it's all going to be made plain. Everybody's going to see everything and you need to be thinking about here when that day comes because you're not going to be responsible for them when that day comes. Say it out loud. Rejoice, rejoice. with them that rejoice. Be glad with those who are glad. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Glory to God. Oh, friends, you, you would make your pastor so happy if you practice this. Somebody close by you, get something nice, get something new, get something bigger than you, make a big deal out of it. I mean, throw them a party. 
Throw them a new car party. Huh? I had a fellow do that for me one time. I uh, I bought a, it was a used car to me, but it was the nicest car I had had. I went to another city to pick it up. And he heard, he's, he's a minister too, and he heard I was going to get it. And he said, can I meet you at the dealership? I said, sure. He met me at the dealership with a jacket that matched the car. <laughs> and, and he said, oh, that's pretty. And he just walked around and he said, oh, look at that. It's got that. Oh, look at that. Oh, I, that's amazing. Mine don't have that. I don't have, oh, ain't that nice. Oh, he said, can you let, come by the house? And I said, well, okay. And, and he had a barn and he pulled it in there and he pulled up some chairs and he said, sit down right here. And I got up to, he said, no, no, no. He said, that's what I made those boys for. And he said, his boys, they washed and waxed every inch of that thing while I sat there and ate a sandwich. And looked at, he, he just made a, a celebration out of it. I remember it to this day. Why did he do that? Not just because of the car. He loved me. He cared about me. Come on, are you listening now? He cared about me. And if that made me happy and I'm having a big day, he wants to have a big day. How much better that is than looking at it sideways going, well, I just think that's too much. That's just too Just because it's too much for you, it don't mean it's too much for everybody else. Right? And is it really too expensive? Is it really so high and too much or just little faith? And little vision. No, let's let God lift us up from where we've been, from our little tightness and our little smallness and our little restriction and little petty criticizing and judging and all that junk. We could have so much more fun if we just rejoice with those that rejoice. And you know, we could be having a party all the time, especially a church this size. Somebody's getting something this week. Right? And we could just party all the time. And the next thing you know, it's your party. Something has happened for you. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.